0: From Arcadia, California, The Carter Report presents The Living Word Around the World.
1: I've been to Russia 35 times. Soon it'll be number 36. We're going back very soon. And people say, why on earth have you put so much time and effort and money into Russia and Ukraine? Well, because of the Bible. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says, there's no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. We can't be saved by Buddha or by Confucius or any other system. We're saved by Jesus alone. People are saved not because they're in darkness, but because they step out of that darkness into God's marvelous light. We're going to Volgograd, once called Stalingrad. It saw the greatest battle of modern times. Almost two million people died in the great battle for Stalingrad. Another great battle is starting soon. We need your prayers and we need your support. Millions of people are waiting to hear the word of God. We know we're facing tremendous obstacles and tremendous difficulties, but we go in the name of Christ and Christ is going to give us the victory. You are God's lifeline to these people. Please write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box, 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358 in Australia. Write to us at Terrigal, New South Wales, Australia. Pray for Russia. Pray for Ukraine. Pray for Volgograd. We need your prayers. The difficulties are almost overwhelming. We also need, I say, in the fear of God, your financial support. I say it again, my friend, you are God's lifeline. May God bless you. Topic today is the yeast in the flour. Would you please welcome today to our meeting, our service, chef, Javier Rino
2: <laughs>
1: How are you, Chef? Fine, thank you, Mr. We're glad that you're here today. Thank you. Tell us what you've got here and what you're going to do. What we have
2: is all-purpose flour, mm-hmm. and we have the yeast, which we're going to put over the flour. Uh-huh. And then we're going to mix it, add the water, and I'll bring you back in a little later on.
1: Are you gonna mix a little bit now? Yes. Okay, let's let's mix this. <laughs> yeah, oops. Oops. Yep. Well thank you. You're just gonna take that away now. Yes. I'll be back. Thank you, Chef P. Rhino. <laughs> I want you to take your Bible and turn to Matthew thirteen thirty-three. That includes you. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 33. The topic is the yeast in the flour. Matthew 13 and verse 33. You all know Javier, and he is a super cook. You all know that. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 33. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took. And we'll say today that Javier took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. The Bible tells me that the gospel, the kingdom of God, is like yeast in the flour. Once it starts working, it permeates everything until, as in the words of Jesus, the whole lump is leavened. It's the story of the gospel at work in human hearts and at work in the world. And we should pause right now and think about the gospel. That's the most misunderstood word in the world. Two words, greatly misunderstood, love and the gospel. And the gospel is all about love. I have been preaching this gospel for many years. I am overwhelmed by the concept that the creator of the universe became a man. I've done a lot of study in recent years on astronomy. I'm astounded. Even recently in my investigations of some of these amazing ideas I'm I'm astounded. They now have taken a picture of the entire universe. Billions of light years across, consisting of hundreds of billions of galaxies that consist of hundreds of billions of stars. The amazing truth, and this is the gospel the hands that flung the stars in space and that created the cosmos, those hands became human hands and were nailed to the cross. Can I understand this? No, I can't understand it too. I believe it. I am dazed and amazed. The yeast is the story of the love of God as it works in the flower of the human heart and the flower of the world. And once the yeast gets in there, it starts to work. So remember, like the yeast, the gospel, the love of God, spreads and grows. Would you please welcome again the church's chief chef, Javier. Javier. Well now, well now, you've been doing doing something. A little bit. So what's happened here? We have the dough. Oh goodness! Ready for yeah, rent. yeah. Well, that was quick. It was. Yeah. <laughs> does it always work as fast as this? Sometimes. In our church, it does. In our yeah. Church, yes. Yeah. There it is. And so there it is. The yeast has already been working, and we'll just. Whoa, whoa, whoa. don't let it slip out in case it gets in the church like a giant amoeba. Uh, but there it is. It's growing and it's spreading.: The next step will be, the, you know what? The bread. Yes. So we look forward to that, Chef Javier. Thank you so very much. The yeast in the flour produces the bread. And it is the bread, not just ordinary bread, it is the bread of life for the world, displayed in deeds of love and kindness. When it talks about the yeast in the dough, it talks about the power of the gospel to get inside something and transform it forever. Listen to this. Listen, my friends, what the world needs desperately is a display of real Christianity it needs the yeast of God's love to permeate the flower of the world and in a very real sense we are to become the yeast because Jesus is in us and what the world needs desperately in these desperate times is a display of the love of God through the lives of men and women who have become the yeast because God is in their their hearts. I want you to notice a number of stories today. I have a lot of stories to tell you, so this is not going to be a normal church service. I'm going to tell you many stories about how the yeast works in the world. Would you come over here to Mark chapter 14, verses 1 down to 9? Mark chapter 14, and verses 1 down to 9. Dear friends, and please turn to these texts, The topic today is the yeast, the yeast in the flour. Mark chapter 14, verses 1 and onwards. Now the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, made a pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages. We're talking here, my friend, about perfume worth 60000 $70,000 and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. And you can help them any time you want, but you'll not always have me. She did what she could. Remember those words, she did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This is an extraordinary story. What had happened to this woman? She'd found Christ, and the yeast of the gospel was in her soul. And so this woman comes in, and there is Jesus. He's reclining, and this woman has an alabaster vase, and it's full of perfume. And the perfume is worth a year's wages. I don't know what you earn maybe fifty thousand a year some here a hundred thousand a year maybe two hundred thousand a year I want you to think that you take a year's wages and you buy perfume that's what this woman did and she comes in and she kneels down and weeping and crying she pours the alabaster with all its contents the contents of the alabaster vase, over the Lord this was not a random act of kindness. We've heard this expression. It's a great expression. What the world needs are random acts of kindness. I don't think this was a random act of kindness. This was planned. And she had so much love in her heart that all the stinginess <coughs> and all the meanness was gone. And she came in and she gave everything she had. Where she got all that money, I don't know. But one thing is absolutely true the yeast was in her heart. It had started small, but now it filled her. I want you to come over now to Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31 and onwards. And as I'm talking today, I want you to think about this. What is real Christianity? What is the difference between real Christianity and fake Christianity? This woman, my friend, had real Christianity because she had the yeast in her heart. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31. And uh, onwards, here Jesus talks about the sheep and the goats. Would you please notice it? This is a startling truth. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another. So this is the judgment day. He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. This is a pretty solemn occasion and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did, you did it to me and you did it for me then he will say to those on his left depart from me you were cursed into the eternal fire this is hellfire into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels for I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat I was thirsty you gave me nothing to drink they didn't have the yeast in their hearts you see I was a stranger you did not invite me in I needed clothes you did not clothe me I was sick and imprisoned you did not look after me They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment and the righteous to eternal life. It is quite a truth, is it not? I want you to think about this because this is a bit of a a shock to some of us who put so much emphasis on correct theology. I believe in correct theology. I believe in preaching the truth. I believe that error is never harmless. So that's why we are so particular that we preach the truth and right doctrines. But did you hear this? In the judgment, when we come up and stand before the God of all the earth, he's going to judge us according to how we've treated people. What do you think about that? And people say, why on earth are you going to Russia and putting your life on the line because we know it's a dangerous situation? Because Jesus said, in as much as you did it under one of the least of these, in the judgment, you and I are going to stand or fall according to how we've treated people because people are far more important than things. I want you to come over now to the book of Colossians by the great apostle Paul. Colossians chapter one and verse 27. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, then you get over to Galatians and Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter one and verse 27, my dear friends. Colossians 1 and verse 27, Paul says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. What does it say? Tell it to me. Which, come on, say it to me, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I want to write this over here on the blackboard. The Bible talks about the very essence of Christianity. The Bible says, Christ. Christ in you. This is the fruitage of getting to know God. Christ in you. The hope of glory. My friend, when Christ is in you, the hope of glory, he will also be the hope of the world. Because when Christ comes into a person, the yeast starts to work. And the yeast is displayed in how we treat people. I want you to come to another text here. Chapter 3 and verse 12 and onwards. This talks about the yeast. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with, look at these words, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. The Bible says when Christ is in you, the hope of glory, there will be a a change in how you treat people. I want you to come over here to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 and verse 20 and 21. These are the words again, of the great apostle Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 12, verse 20 and 21. Have you got those words? The Bible says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil. What does it say? Do it with good. Now come to the words of our blessed Lord. Come over here to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 to the words of our blessed Lord. Matthew 5 and verse 38 and onwards. These are words that are amazing, astounding. They're revolutionary. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 verse 38. You've heard that it was said eye for eye and tooth for tooth. Give him back what he gives you. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right hand, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Amazing. Give to the one who asks you. And do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. Let me look you in the eye. As I talk about true Christianity versus fake Christianity, going to church doesn't make us Christians. Christ in the heart makes us Christians. And when Christ is in the heart, the hope of glory, the yeast starts to permeate every molecule of the soul. I want to give you now some examples of the yeast working in the soul, the power of the yeast. Some years ago, we had in this church Dr. Bill and Tabitha Hamilton. Does anybody remember them? Put up your hands if you remember Bill and Tabitha, Tabitha passed away. We were over in Glendale. Bill and Tabitha are driving home from church. I want you to think about this. Here's a doctor. He's driving home with his, his wife. They're going home for Sabbath lunch. And he sees beside the road a dirty, homeless person. hey, Put the windows up hard, put the foot down hard, get past it. Bill stopped. They said, when did you last have a meal? Well, he He thought he was going to get arrested. They put him in the car. He had not been anointed with perfume. They took him home. Bill took him into the bathroom, stripped off his filthy clothes, and bathed him with his own hands. I've never been so proud of a church member. Then Bill gave him some of his clothes and Tabitha prepared a beautiful meal. And then they gave him lots of love and warmth. That's the difference between the real thing and fake Christianity. Jesus said, when the yeast gets in the heart, there is a telling, amazing transformation. Back in Australia, now my Australian friends, listen up. I had an old friend many years ago by the name of Curly Hardy. Curly had a gift apparently from God at manipulating people's bodies. (laughs) It is a little controversial, but lots of people claim to have been healed by the touch of love. A man came along one day to our church. This was in Australia. Curly immediately went to him to greet him. But the man was so rude, so obnoxious, and after church, he met me as the pastor and he poured out a vitriol of hate. There are people like this. I said, I hope I never see him again. We don't need him at church. Curly said to me, Let's go visit him. (laughs) I said, Go visit him? He said, Yeah, let's go visit him. I said, Okay. What authority have you got, anyhow, Curly, to tell me to visit this guy? (laughs) So, okay. So I drove down in my car. We went up. He lived on a farm, knocked on the door. The man came out, saw us, cursed at us, and Literally threw us out. He literally threw us down the stairs. When I got down, my ministerial dignity had been deeply bruised. And I said, picking myself up, that's the last time, Curly. This is stupidity. Curly knew, found out somehow when this man's birthday was. He baked a cake with the right number of candles, went to the man, went to the door, knocked on the door. The man came out and started cursing and yelling. And Curly sang, Happy birthday to you. I've always wanted to sing in church. I told you I could. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. <laughs> what, what, what can you do with that? The man said, Cursing. Curly said, I just want to come and tell you I love you. And God does. Gave him the cake it changed that man it's the yeast working in the flour. Curly was the real thing. A friend of mine who is a famous theologian went to Russia as I've gone now 35, 36 times, I don't remember, I've been there so often this man went to Russia to preach the gospel he did not understand Russia like I do When he got over there, he didn't take even a top coat, an overcoat. He got sick with the flu. He got so sick he was running a fever, he went and lay down on a park bench where he shivered in his suit, this fine, learned theologian. He fell asleep. And while he was sleeping, he was jarred awake by rough hands a Russian man had taken off his own overcoat and was tucking him in. That's the alabaster vase. For that Russian man, he was giving away a year's wages. The love of God somehow had gotten into the soul of that man It is the yeast in the flour. Listen to this. That indeed was a random act of kindness. That's what we ought to do. I heard Dr. Shuler talk about random acts of kindness where we just shoot them here and there and we don't plan for them. Society has become coarse, uncouth, and rude. It needs the yeast of the love of God. Are you not appalled, my friend? or are you caught up in it? I ask you sincerely. I turn on television here, I turn on radio talkback shows and I hear everybody criticized and attacked. I hear the president called dreadful names and sometimes in the name of God. Where is the love of God? Listen carefully. You don't have to agree with a man's Politics or his religion to love him and to show him kindness. The whole of society has been taken down, 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 down to the lowest common denominator. People curse and swear and blaspheme and say terrible things about everybody on radio, on television. What the world needs more than anything else are Christians who have the yeast of the love of God in their hearts. And once you start doing it, it seems to spread. Listen, I want to tell you something. We have a tendency in America to demonize people because they're of another party. I hear Republicans demonizing Democrats and Democrats demonizing the other side, and one religion demonizing the other religion. You don't have to agree with a person to love them. And when the yeast of the love of God is in our hearts, it, it shows and it comes out. And people need the touch of God in their lives. I was tremendously impressed and I was blessed and I was made a little proud last Christmas when Beverly and I went up to see our daughters in San Francisco, that very wicked city as we all know. (laughs) No more wicked than the city you're living in, friend, just quietly. (laughs) And we were going out for Christmas dinner and uh, I was driving my car and Julie was in with me and Leanne was there and, and we were going to go to a nice restaurant. Whenever we go to a restaurant, Julie makes sure it's a great restaurant because I end up paying the bill. So we always go to a great restaurant. I went to a restaurant once with Julie. I, there's a few of us, you know, and I put in a few hundred dollars in my pocket. And I thought, boy, this is going to be more than enough. When I got there, I had to borrow some money to pay the bill. But we're driving to this restaurant, and Julie says, uh, Mom and Dad, can you just wait a bit? I need to go and see somebody. So we pull up in uh, one of those crowded streets in San Francisco. She hops out and she's carrying some gifts. She goes up these stairs. And we wait, seems a long time. We have an appointment, 20 minutes, half an hour, maybe 35 minutes. Julie is an intensive care nurse, we love her. And uh, Leanne is a psychologist. And Julie comes back, she said, "I I couldn't get away. I said, what were you doing? She said, well, I have a friend who used to work at the hospital He's dying of AIDS and he's got no one to celebrate Christmas with and he had cooked himself a Christmas dinner and he wondered if I'd sit down and eat it with him. So she said, I sat down and she said, I gave him these gifts and we had Christmas dinner together. He's dying of AIDS. That's the yeast working in the flour. What the world needs is more compassion from those who take the name of Christ. And once the yeast starts growing, it has an irresistible force. I can think in this very building a number of years ago when we were trying to raise some money to pay our debts on this building, Uh, Danny Shelton came out. God bless Danny. We've been friends for many years. We did a live uplink with 3ABN. 3ABN needs your financial support. If you watch 3ABN, I don't care who you are, support 3ABN because God raised it up. It is a great ministry run by Christian lay people who love Jesus. That's why I support 3ABN. Danny said, standing right here, he said, this week, I don't want you to send any money to me at 3ABN. Sure we've got debts. Sure we've got to pay for the satellites. He said for the next week, send your money to John Carter. He needs it more. Some people said, why would you ever do a thing like that? That's dumbness. No, it's the love of God. It's the yeast of the gospel working in the human heart. I want to tell you a story that's very close to my heart. When I was a young guy going through college, I owned, uh, in my last year, a big red Harley Davidson. I just want to confess something to you. I don't do it now, because I don't have opportunity. I'd like to get it. There's nothing better, really, than sitting on a big Harley Davidson driving down a country road with the wind in your face early in the morning and that big Harley is you know there's no bike like a Harley this is not a Harley commercial but there's no bike like it. there's, there's no bike in the world that go thump, thump 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 you know and sort of just a wonderful bike well I was a poor student I didn't have um, I hardly had a, a, brass razu, a brass razu. That means I didn't have a lot of money. In my last year at Avondale College, we, the theology students were so poor, uh, we didn't have enough money to buy food, certainly no toothpaste or anything like that. I had one suit, and I had beneath that suit a shirt, and I could never take my coat off. The boys would say, John, take your coat off. They, would just, they knew I couldn't take my coat off, the sleeves had fallen out. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm, I got this big Harley Davidson and I'm in the outback of Australia, no motels there, just huge farms, wheat and sheep farms. Sometimes it would take me an hour to drive from the road to the house and about half past seven at night the sun would still be up, I'd think I gotta find somewhere to stay tonight. And I'd start to pray every night. Lord, no motels here. Even if there were, I don't have any money. I'm tell- selling books, you see. I'm a coal porter. I'd start to pray. And by about 9 o'clock, every night, for three and a half months, a farmer would say to me, Oh, boy, where are you staying tonight? I'd say, Well, have you any suggestions? <laughs> <laughs> i put on 30 pounds. Mind you, I started at 125 pounds. But I put on 30 pounds. I ate because God supplied my need. But one thing happened one day. I've never, never forgotten it. It just is in my soul. I got up one morning and I went out to get on the Harley Davidson. And I noticed it had double caps on the top. One for oil and one for gas. And I unscrewed them and they were both full. The farmer had come out and filled up the tanks. And his wife had left a beautiful basket of food. A random act of kindness. It's grace in the heart. It is the yeast of the Spirit of God in the heart. I want to look you in the eye and I want to tell you something. What the world needs more than anything else. Our loving Christians who are kind and generous and who do random acts of kindness. I want you to come over here to the book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and then the book of Acts chapter 20 and uh, verse 35. Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. This is a wonderful text. You don't read this text in any of the Gospels. It's not found in Matthew, Mark, Luke or John but it is obviously a part of the saying sayings of Jesus. Now look at this text, Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Can you say those words with me? It is more blessed to give than to receive. (laughs) Javier is sort of the official chef in the church with his wife Susie who also is just a great cook as you all know. (laughs) On occasions I'll be working here a drive in 60 miles from Thousand Oaks. It seems to be getting a longer drive and some evenings I'll be sitting there and Javier will come up and he'll say I thought it would be time for you to get some soup he'll have a pot of soup you know what that is? that's the love of God he doesn't have to do that some evenings when Beverly and I are in here the phone will ring Javier and Susie will say, have you got a, an appointment tonight, an invitation to eat somewhere? I said, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> well, Javier will say, I prepared a meal. And I'll go down to his place, Beverly and I will go down there, and we'll have beautiful bread and soup, the best you'll taste, and then great savory. And Javier can't help himself, there'll be a great dessert. Does he have to do that? Does she have to do that? It's the difference between fake Christianity and real Christianity. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I want every person sitting here in this church to get this text into his mind. If you talk to the people on Wall Street, they say, it's far more blessed to receive than to give. That's how it operates. And if we can rip you off, they say, we'll rip you off. But Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Before I went to Avondale College, that's a long time ago, I left home when I was 16 years of age, a skinny boy growing up in Brisbane. My parents paid for my train fare, and I travel almost a thousand miles up into the tropics. I remember as the train came in, in the little town of Ayr. My cousin, Billy Van Erd was standing there. It's four o'clock in the morning, even in the tropics. It was wintertime, it was cold. I left home when I was 16 years of age. I've never been back except to say hello. The next year I went to Avondale College. I went there because we didn't have scholarships and my parents were too poor to pay for any of my fees. I was at Avondale College for six years and I earned every cent. I'm glad I did. I'm glad I wasn't being taught that the world owes me a living. I'm glad I had to be independent and pay my own fees through the sweat of my brow and the hard work of my hands. They drove us up 50 miles, did Billy and his friend, and we stayed at this camp where I learned to drive a big bulldozer. But every Sabbath, they would take me into air, And the first Sabbath, I went to the Little air Church. I want to say hello to you today in the name of Jesus from Los Angeles, California, because I've never forgotten you. After church, a young couple came to me. I'll never forget them. This was more than 50 years ago. They came to me, just married, Elwyn and Marilyn Davey. And they said, Have you got somewhere for lunch? (laughs) Where would I have for lunch? I was a boy of 16, lost spiritually. Every Sabbath I went there. They took me home and they fed me and they loved me. And that's one reason I'm here today. The Davies, God bless you forever. (laughs) They had the yeast in their hearts. They had the gospel in their hearts. They were not fake. They knew what it was to give themselves and they knew the words of our Lord. It's more blessed to give than to receive. I want you to come over here to Hebrews chapter 13 and verses one and two. Hebrews chapter 13, you see my friend, after a while, God's church with the yeast inside it will become the yeast. Come over here to Hebrews chapter 13 and verses one and two. Hebrews chapter 13 and the author says these words, Hebrews 13 verses one and two. Keep on loving each other as brothers. Do not forget to entertain strangers For by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. They entertained me, and I was no angel. I want you to come over here to Romans chapter 12 and verse 13. Over here to Romans, the 12th chapter, and uh, verse 13. I've tried to live by these words. Romans chapter 12 and verse 13. Apostle Paul says, Romans 12... Verse 13, share with God's people who are in need. Practice, what does it say? Come on, say it loud, my friends. Come on, I want, you, I want you to hear this. What does he say? Practice. If you practice something, you do it once, and you do it again, and you keep on doing it. A Christian with the yeast in his soul will practice hospitality. A lady in this church, who's got the yeast in her soul, I don't say this to embarrass her, is Sylvia. She's got the yeast in the soul. She's generous, she's hospitable. She looks out for people who come to church. Do you, I want to ask you, are you looking out for strangers? I know a lady who drives 50, 60 miles, comes to this church. Maybe in 10 years she's been invited home except by the rhinos, piran- once. Practice hospitality. Now Sylvia last Sabbath invited to her house 50 or 60 people. Do you have to say to Sylvia, well Sylvia you've got to do this or else you're not going to get saved. No, she's got it in her soul. She's got the love of God in her heart. What the world desperately needs are more Sylvias. That's what this church needs. And someone sitting here today may say to me, I'm too old to change. I'm just not generous. I can't be bothered. I want to say to you, it's never too late to get the yeast, it's never too late to become the real thing, a genuine Christian. The church needs the yeast, the world needs the yeast, and we need to become the yeast. In an age when people spew hate, when rudeness abounds, Christians need to speak words of kindness and appreciation. People are hungry for words of kindness, affirmation. What this old world needs more than anything else is Christians who have the love of God in their hearts. Listen to this. Christians should be the most appreciative, the most thankful, the kindest, the most generous people on the planet because they have Christ inside. They are the living yeast. Christians become the yeast. Not only do they have the yeast, but the Christian church, it becomes the yeast. And the yeast grows and grows and it touches lives and people are changed for the glory of God. Javier, my friend, He's been doing something out there. Javier, what do you got here? So quick, Javier. Goodness me. I tell you, how did you do this? With a little (laughs) patience. And with a little help from Costco. (laughs) (laughs) Now listen to me, the yeast, in the flour, makes the bread. And the bread is the staff of life. What the world needs is the yeast, so we can have bread, so the world can be fed. Javier, leave it here my friend and stay here with me for a moment. You look good today. Thank you. Yes. Are you going to come to church like this every Sabbath? Yes. (laughs) My friends, it's not just talk, you know. Just think of this world and how society has become. It's dog eat dog. People fighting over everything. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like the yeast. And Jesus said, it grows and grows and permeates the whole lump. And what I need more than anything else is more of the love of God in my heart. And that's what the world needs. And I'm asking you today to open your heart to the Savior and let the yeast get inside. Would you kneel with me, please? Our Father in heaven, we thank you, the great God who made the cosmos. We thank you that you became a man and you shared with us the bread of life. We thank you that in you, our blessed Lord, was the yeast of God. And we think of your words when you told us that the yeast has to get into the flour and it's got to permeate everything. And we pray, our Father, today that we will allow you to come into our hearts and fill us with your love. That the yeast will permeate every molecule of our souls. That we will say words of kindness. That we will learn to say thank you. That we will learn to be kind to the unkind. Gracious to the ungracious. Teach us, our Father, today, because this is a lesson we must learn if we would be saved. Teach us to understand that in the judgment we will be appraised not by our orthodoxy, but by how we have treated people. Teach us in this church to overcome the sin of stinginess. which was the sin of Lucifer and his servant Judas. Teach us to be generous and hospitable. Teach us to follow the example of the woman who came with a year's wages and covered our blessed Lord with the perfume of her love. And the world is still talking about it. I want to thank you today personally for the people who have ministered to me because they have had yeast in their hearts. Now we've talked about these things, my blessed Lord, so many times in this church. But some of us have built up barriers. Barriers. Break through today, dear Father. Break through. As we're praying in our church today, with our heads bowed, on our knees we are, every eye closed in the presence of God. Who will say without just saying it by rote, Lord, put the yeast of the gospel in my heart today. Can you raise your hand if that is your prayer? Put the yeast of the gospel in my heart today. And then when the yeast of the gospel gets in your heart and in my heart, no person will come to church here as a visitor who will not be invited home. We will not debase ourselves by low political talk where people are criticized and attacked. Teach us, dear Father, to be your children and to show the love of God to the world so we worship you today we bless you we praise you and we thank you and we give you glory in jesus name amen and amen
2: happy sabbath everyone this morning i have another prayer request from our website i am the leader of a missionary group in our church who for a number of years now has been going to Africa to conduct small evangelistic meetings. We love what we do and have seen a good number of people come to Jesus. Recently our pastor retired and we now have another minister who seems to me to have some strange ideas. For instance, he has told us that he doesn't have a burden to go to Africa as he believes that people are saved as long as they don't say no. He thinks the money could be better spent here at home. Please pray for us, and could you give some text to bolster our courage? Thank you, signed Mark. Well, Mark, like you, I find that idea very strange also. And just for a few moments, let's look at the Bible and refresh our memories with some of the wonderful text about going now in Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20 we all know this one so well well many of us do where Jesus tells us to go and teach and preach to all the nations couple that with Revelation 14 6 that says then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach to all who dwell on the earth Theologians tell us that these aren't literal angels, but they are men and women who are preaching and teaching. The book of Luke gives us the parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin, both of which have people searching for them to save them. These stories illustrate what we Christians need to do, go out and to look for the lost and to tell them the good news. Now in Ezekiel 3, God gave a special message to Ezekiel for the Israelites, which most Christians believe is still applicable for our day. Now, he told Ezekiel, warn the people and encourage them to go out and to tell people and encourage them to come to me. That's when it's in our hands to do so, because if you don't, their blood will be on your heads. And that's pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? And God said that. Then we hear from the Apostle Paul in Romans 10, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on someone they don't believe in? Because they've never heard. And how can they hear without a preacher? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Our best example, of course, is Jesus who did this very work, sometimes one-on-one and sometimes in big audiences. And apart from following the Bible's admonition, a second reason for sharing the gospel is that once we get to know the gospel, we can't sit still. We want to go out and tell others. It's like, say I had a rich great uncle, which I don't, but just pretend and sadly, he passes on. His lawyer calls me and says, Beverly, you've just inherited $20 million. What do I do? Go and sit in the lounge and zip my mouth? Uh Uh-uh, no way, I'm so excited. I call my husband, my children, my friends, we have a big party, and then I decide afterwards what to do with the rest of the money. But I'm so excited, I can't sit still, and that's what it's like with the gospel, only much, much more. Mark, I'm praying that your pastor will become excited, so excited that he won't only want to go to Africa, but he'll lead the way. May he come to see that it's not a matter of should we go, but rather let's go to tell the everlasting story of the great gospel of Jesus Christ.